So we've known the winner of the U.S. presidential election for almost a month now, uh, despite the uh, protestations of uh, Donald Trump's allies who uh, still contest the validity of the election results. So it is a fact that Joe Biden will be the next president of the United States. He will be inaugurated in January next year. Uh, What does this all mean, though, in terms of U.S. policy going forward? Certainly the focus will be on domestic policy as the country itself is uh, dealing really with its worst ever outbreak, uh, perhaps the third surge of the uh, coronavirus pandemic. Uh, But Despite all those problems, foreign policy will also be a key initiative of change for the Biden administration. And it does signal some changes for both uh, policy towards South Korea as well as North Korea. So to help us get that analysis of where we stand right now, we're very pleased to be joined by investigative journalist at The Nation and noted Korea expert for further discussion on what all of this means for the incoming Biden administration. Uh, Tim Shark joining us on the line. Hello. Hello, good morning. Good morning to you, sir. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, Just overall, uh, what is your assessment of uh, Joe Biden winning the election, obviously, but also uh, building up his team, which uh, hopefully we can uh, talk about in more uh, detail, but how he, uh, in your long years of experience in Washington, how he overall views the South Korean relationship. He did write that op-ed for Yonhap News, which uh, a lot of people took note of and interpreted in different ways. But uh, there are certainly implications for opcon transfer, wartime operational control, uh, defense cost sharing, uh, and whatnot. So um, how do you expect the ROC-US relationship to evolve in the next few years? Well, I think it'll start off at a good place. I think, you know, uh, Joe Biden has said during the campaign that he would very much value working with allies. And I think by that, he, he, he meant in particular, one of the countries he meant in particular was South Korea, because the alliance has been under some stress in the, in the last few years. Uh, but the alliance has not been under stress only because of Trump and his sort of you know unilateral way of doing things. It's been under stress because, you know, there have been differences in uh, strategy in terms of dealing with North Korea between the ROK and the U.S. Right. And not and not only the government, but, you know, the, the, the various uh, groups and institutions, think tanks that make up the kind of Korea policy community. Uh, you know, I think there's been there's been differences and that have been kind of uh difficult for the for the alliance uh, to, to to maintain the alliance for example i think on the issue of, of uh you know japan's you know wartime crimes and you know compensating you know korea korean uh, you know workers who were forced into japan during that period of world war ii and that whole issue uh you know when that became a hot issue between uh president moon and uh prime minister abe over the supreme court decision in korea mm-hmm. that they could sue japanese corporations i think that you know many of the in the you know in the u.s the not only the trump administration but but the you know the the policy community was very critical of South Korea and Moon Jae-in and, and, you know, more positive about Japan's stance on that. And I think that showed a really big uh, gap. And uh, so there's, you know, there's sort of an understanding of how South Korea came under, came came through the dictatorship of Park Chung-hee and Shun Dae-won and became right. a democracy that's still not quite been understood 
by by lots of policymakers here, and I think that partly includes uh, Biden and his team. Yeah, that's unfortunate, and I, I don't want to relitigate that whole uh, situation with Japan. But uh, again, the, 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 it was an independent judiciary decision by the Supreme Court, which, uh, you know, in, in a functioning democracy, you don't want the Blue House to be meddling in and affecting an, an independent court decision. Uh, and, and to have that result in that uh, trade spat that uh, Japan was obviously angered by, and and to see that the U.S. Uh, certainly uh, seemed to be that the mainstream political uh, thinking or the think tanks and, and everyone involved uh, seemed to be a more sympathetic to Japan's side of the argument. They're really, I, I know that you know very well that there's been uh, this long bemoaning that uh, Japan just simply has more lobbying party uh, power in Washington. They have a lot more money poured into these various think tanks, and they just simply hold more, uh, they wield more influence uh, on those type of issues. Would you generally agree that's been the case? I think that's true. Uh, you know, you, you can. You know, I mean, there's actually been you know some studies showing you know the Japanese money put into lobbying and and the, and the funding for various think tanks here. Japan is far ahead of South Korea, uh, but I also think it's a it's a more of an attitude. You know, I think I think uh, you know I've written about this over the last couple of years about there was not, not a great understanding and a great appreciation on the part of the Democratic Party here. Uh, this is, you know, before Biden was even running, but the leadership of the Democratic Party in Congress toward, you know, South Korea and, and a lot of sort of misunderstanding about about South Korea and its approach to North Korea. And I think that, uh, you know, like kind of, kind of a lack of respect for South Korea as a sovereign country that, that has its own issues in terms of dealing with uh, the U.S. and China and North Korea. I mean, South Korea has its own sovereign issues right. and its sovereign concerns as a nation. And I think that's been overlooked here. And I think that's part of what Joe Biden and his, and his uh, foreign policy team uh, will, will be working on in, in you know, trying, to, trying to bridge those gaps. Uh, so, so I think, you know, I think that, 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 you know, that letter that he sent, that, that article he sent to the Yonhap uh, News Service was quite significant because he didn't do that for a lot of countries, you know, mm-hmm. and I think he was making it clear that he will work with, uh, the Moon administration and then, and what comes after President Moon on, on trying to, you know, like he talked about, you know, a negotiation, a dipl- diplomacy working with North Korea. And, and he talked about, you know, Korean Americans who are separated from their families in North Korea and helping right. that you know, that process to happen. So I think he has a real appreciation for, for, for that kind of, you know, important national concerns of, of Koreans. Well, you mentioned the um, the Biden approach, and I, I want to get your thoughts because I think you know the situation and the players involved uh, much much better than we do here in Korea. Uh, he, he named a uh, secretary of state uh, that uh, is deemed to be from the Obama old guard, Antony Blinken, although a longtime Biden aide. He also named a, a new national security advisor, Jake Sullivan. And immediately, of course, a lot of people uh, here in Korea uh, kind of Googled uh, how they stand on various issues, including South Korea, but also particularly uh, North Korean issues. Uh, I know that a lot of people will interpret this in different ways, maybe to their own, maybe partisan benefit. But conservatives cheer this as thinking, well, this is going to be a return back to sort of the hardline approach. Uh, progressives uh, talking about maybe there's some optimism here. But the concern is, and as you well know, Tim, um, there has been, although Obama's been great in, in a lot of different areas and his, his historic significance, he's not been considered necessarily um, 
as beneficial in terms of South Korea policy and uh, this pivot to Asia and also the uh, the long eight years of strategic patience approaching North Korea, uh, does that national security team that uh, Biden appointed signal a return to that, in your view, or perhaps a different approach? Well, I think, you know, for, for, for one thing, I think they're, they're, even if they do, if, even if they did hold that strategic patience position back then, I, I think they're you know, they're smart enough to know that the situation has changed, you know, rather dramatically over the last eight years. Uh, but I do think I am a little bit troubled by some of what I've heard, say, from Tony Blinken, who is going to be the Secretary of State if he's uh, approved by the Senate, which I'm sure he will be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, he was kind of the, you know, he was kind of the uh, key person uh, in many ways on, on Korea policy, one of the key people within Obama. And, uh, you know, in interviews he's given in the last few months, you know, signal actually kind of a return to that strategic right. uh, patience of like, and also, you know, the kind of pressure campaign that they thought would get Kim Jong-un to negotiate about his nuclear program back before, uh, you know, Trump was elected in, in the late years of the Obama administration. I mean, they basically rejected, you know, one-on-one negotiations. And um, the, the tensions really increased, and they thought, they assumed that North Korea would kind of, you know, go away. They thought it would collapse mm-hmm. as, as, a, as a government and as a country, and I think they were very sadly mistaken about that. Right. And, uh, you know, I think they probably understand that. But the thing is, like, they're going to have to work, you know, closely with South Korea, because this is a you know, inter-Korean issue. It's, you know, trying to resolve peace between North and South that went to war. You know, in, in, in 1950. And, and, you know, that's after all why the United States got involved in Korea was supposedly to prevent that war. And so, like, as they move toward peace, I think, you know, the, the, the United States, and I've been saying this for a long time, you know, has a very important role to play to help move that process along. And it can, you know, like, I think that Biden's going to have to take a hard look at some of the sanctions policies that he's supported because, you know, the, the, the hard line that Trump held on sanctions, you know, was used uh, to prevent North-South cooperation right. in the economic sphere. Um, you know, and that's, that's obviously been something that's talked about a lot in Korea. But, you know, th- that's, that's, that's something I think that, you know, the Moon administration and supporters of Moon in South Korea are, are, are working, you know, trying to persuade, you know, the, the Biden administration to take a kind of, uh, not a necessarily a softer approach, but, you know, look at it more like a step-by-step process in negotiating peace with Korea, where, you know, they, they give up something and we give up something, you know, concession for concession. Uh, and that would involve, of course, you know, sanctions. And that's what the, you know, what just blew up between Trump and Kim Jong-un back in 2019. That over the issue of lifting some sanctions in, 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 in return for the closing of some facilities in the north. So uh, maybe they are looking at it. I mean, I, I have seen indications that they are looking at this as sort of an arms control uh, issue that they could they could actually you know negotiate sort of an interim agreement with with the north that would that would like control their their nuclear uh, in, industry and, and 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 control their nuclear force. And reduce it, you know, take step by step, but it would be arms control rather than, you know, denuclearization. Uh, arms control aimed at, uh, you know, eventual kind of, you know, peace agreement in Korea. Uh, so I think there's some, that, you know, that's, that's a real possibility. Uh, but it's going to take, you know, really close cooperation uh, with the South Korean government and respect for 
uh, you know, its role in this process, respect for, you know, the fact that this is an inter-Korean issue, that it's up to Koreans to decide how to unify their countries, you know, yeah. and, and how to make the peace. So a couple of important points there, and I want to hopefully maybe break this apart into two. Uh, first, the issue of... Uh, South-North cooperation, uh, I think most people now agree that a, a big deal uh, being made by Trump and Kim Jong-un was, was a pipe dream, and that was never going to happen. And maybe uh, the possibility of over the next four years of a Biden administration that there be a big deal uh, being made in terms of the, the nuclear weapons program is not likely. However, the, the, the second part of that, as you say, the inter-Korean cooperation aspect of it, because of the existing sanctions regime, there's just only so much that South Korea can do. And although there were some agreements made during the inter-Korean summits, uh, the, the sanctions regimes have not allowed uh, those uh, deals to, to kind of come to fruition and which uh, cer- certainly has angered the North Korean side uh, and kind of uh, kind of directed their fire against North Korea, metaphorically speaking, as to not being kind of more forthcoming or aggressive with that. Do you feel then it is a possibility that although Biden himself may not be that kind of freewheeling sort of top-down approach kind of guy like Trump was, but at least they might kind of um, be a little bit more hands-off in terms of uh, allowing South Korea to be a little bit more forthcoming in those uh, pursuing those inter-Korean projects? Yeah, and I, I, do, I do think that will happen. I, in, in terms of like, you know, a big deal kind of, kind of thing, um, I, I think that one, you know, as we know, one of the key issues for North Korea when you know, Kim met Trump in Singapore in 2018. You know, one of the key points of the communique that came up with out of that meeting was, you know, the very first point was North and South Korea, North North Korea and the United States will, you know, create a new relationship, build a new relationship. Yeah. And that is one of the things that North Korea has been wanting for years and years. So it's going to, it's not just, you know, denuclearization, not just, you know, trying to curb North Korea as a, as a military power, but reducing the cause for that, you know, large military power, which is, you know, uh, you know, actually trying to make the peace and creating an, a different relationship with North Korea between the U.S. and North Korea. And so that that should be that should be paramount, I, I think. And, 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 and that will obviously take, you know, working, you know, closely, you know, closely with South Korea. But I think what South Korea and North Korea do should be on a very separate track than what the U.S. does, you know, with North Korea. And, you know, so that, that does take, you know, some, some real, you know, smart, uh, di- you know, di- diplomacy. But, you know, but Biden, you know, like, there's, you know, there's been a lot of questions about, you know, well, will he, you know, meet personally with Kim Jong-un like Trump did. Yeah. And, you know, he said, like, it's a possibility. But, you know, he wants to have, he does, he's not going to do some kind of, you know, flashy summit meeting with Kim without preliminary negotiations. I mean, I think a lot of people agree that that was the problem with the Trump, the, the way Trump went at it, you know, like trying to create this, you know, big agreement between the two leaders and then let, up, let all the issues be settled later. Uh, that was kind of putting the cart before the horse. And I think what Biden and his and, and Blinken and, and, and the people that will be part of the foreign policy team will have to, you know, negotiate, uh, you know, in, in good faith in that way. Uh, and, 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 and so, you know, it, 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 it really depends in part uh, on, on, you know, what, 
there's also been I've seen a lot of discussion in the Korean press about you know whether South Korea should be a mediator between the U.S. and North Korea. I think of course it should be, but I think that the the, the you know the the problem with seeing the alliance as just this end all U.S. South Korean alliance that that should be the that should be the end goal. Is mm. that I think you know the alliance could change right. as the real, as the peace develops between North and South Korea. So there has to be some far-reaching thinking on the part of the U.S. as well. There has been, um, I, I think, uh, if you look past at the at the interviews given by uh, Blinken, the incoming Secretary of State, and and what he said about North Korea, I think what observers have pointed out one aspect of it is uh, he has seemed to indicate now, uh, especially during the Trump presidency and and the further development of North Korea's um, weapons technology, is that it does appear that it's pretty much infeasible to expect North Korea to completely. Dis- dismantle their entire nuclear weapons program. And and therefore, one of the kind of uh, failings of the Hanoi summit with Trump was that Trump came in thinking that there was going to be a big deal. He made no prepara- preparatory negotiations prior to that. However, his security team, including uh, Mike Pompeo, including uh, John Bolton, his national security advisor, they essentially sabotaged the whole works by insisting on that very onerous uh, CVID provision uh, to be imposed on North Korea at the last minute, which uh, certainly kind of shelved any other uh, possibility of a smaller deal, right? Like, let's dismantle Yunbyung for maybe some partial relief of sanctions, which it seemed what uh, South Korea and North Korea were kind of angling for. It it does seem like then, at least if there's a recognition that CVID is not something that is uh, feasible, we could get maybe these mini smaller deals um, going forward uh, should the opportunities arise. That seems to be... You know what they're saying. We'll, we'll see as, it, okay. as they get, you know, go through the confirmation process, and and actually, you know, you know, are, are confronted with the, with the situation on the ground when they take power in January. But I mean, I think that they're that's what they're looking at, and that clearly, you know, denuclearization as a concept should come last. That's the last thing that happens. You know, the the, the key is to build, you know, a peace process between North and South. Let that happen so the tensions re- reduce as they have been, and then you know move forward on you know this new relationship between the U.S. and North Korea, where they can you know they can they can de-escalate their tensions between the two, and and that you know as peace can develop on the peninsula, and there can be better relations in the and between North and South, and you can have some trade and economic exchange across the border, and there's projects. But the countries are working on um, that'll you know that that will decrease the tensions overall, yeah. and then you can sort of move toward this you know longer term goal and see how that works. But I do think it's going to have to be a recognition of a kind of you know a process like that. But the basic thinking of North Korea as our you know ultimate enemy, uh, North Korea as as enemy state as rogue state that going to have to change here. I mean, North Korea has, you know, serious, serious human rights problems, issues that we can, that, that can, that are clearly open for, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, criticism when, when but between two nations. Right. But, you know, respecting their sovereignty and their, 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 their respecting their, you know, we, we uh, respect your existence as a country is something that's very hard for a lot of American policymakers to, to say. 
you know, it's always like, you know, we were just, they, you know, like as, as I pointed out in, 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 in the article uh, that I wrote recently, uh, you know, this, this part of the uh, strategic patience was also regime change. I yeah. mean, they, they wanted to contingency planning uh, in case there was a war that there would be ways to, you know, take down the regime and there would be a, they would, the hope would be a, you know, government in, in, in North Korea that was like more like, uh, you know, controlled by the South and more pro-U.S. And, and I think that that whole think, way of thinking has to be go out the window. And like there has to be, you know, this is something that's going to be resolved by, by South Korea and North Korea working together. Well, that um, Washington, Brookings, Heritage, Cato, kind of very different groups, but the kind of consensus on North Korea, you're going to hope, is going to change. Biden has a priority to deal with the pandemic and the economy domestically, and rightly so. I mean, it's, it's a big problem. And so right. uh, perhaps the, the, the solution would be just to give a little bit more breathing space to South Korea to be able to kind of pursue some things with North Korea right now uh, without going maybe too far off the leash. We got thirty seconds left. Do you would you agree? Yeah, and I think we've got to recognize that you know there's an important this, you know we, we we need to help end the end the Korean War. That seems to be something yeah. that a lot of people in Korea would like to see an end to the war, moving beyond the armistice to a peace treaty. You know, it's like it's been you know sixty seven years since that armistice was signed. You know, we can move beyond that and and actually get some kind of peace agreement. Uh, that that would allow that process to happen between South and North, and then you know you know end this host you know age of hostility, years of hostility between the U.S. and North Korea. And I think you know in terms of foreign policy, I think that probably Biden's going to okay. focus right away on Iran. Right. But right. but I think you know it depends. It sort of depends what you know North Korea says or does in the next few months. Yeah. But I think you know after he takes power. We'll, Okay. It'll be very interesting to see okay. if there's outreach right. to the north. We'll leave it there. Uh, Tim Shark from The Nation, thank you once again for joining us. Always appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. We'll be back after this.